You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. Good to see everybody this morning. I got one long hair hanging down here. All that grease I put in my hair and that can of hairspray and still one got away. It's kind of driving me crazy. Some of you guys ain't got that problem. I thought, hey man, all right. I asked Scotty to give me this stool. Uh, sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's a security blanket. Uh, some messages I feel more comfortable sitting down. Uh, let me tell you a little bit what's on my mind. Um, I was raised on Tea Creek Road. It's right on the other side of Shinson by Big Elm Elementary and lived up there. The, the whole hall is about a mile long and a lot of family, aunts and uncles, and that's going to drive me crazy. And uh, grandparents and, you know, parents and uh, we all went to the Enterprise United Methodist Church, and I would call it a country Methodist church. Uh, it was uh, gun barrel straight hell fire and brimstone preaching. Somebody say amen. And we, uh, we sang victory in Jesus and, uh, you know, uh, I'll fly away. And, you know, the uptown Methodist church is a little different. They do that kind of stuff. Oh, 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 oh. You know, we didn't do that kind of stuff. We just hit her running, you know. And so when God uh, called me, uh, it just comes out of me when I preach, you know. And I, I look back now over uh, the 29 years or so, and um, I can't even watch myself. It makes me nervous on TV. Um, you know, when I grew up, Reverend Riggle, uh, man, he would preach and he would hop like a rabbit, clear down the aisles. And I grew up under preachers that would step from pew to pew to pew. And, and I've preached like that, man, I'm telling you. I, but there's different seasons. And uh, I can remember the, the anointing on my life is uh, salvation. Uh, so I say all that to say this, there's different seasons. And uh, just because uh, I'm getting older don't mean that I ain't got that fire. But uh, and I still like to preach that way at times. Honestly, I don't think you can understand it, but there's been times where I have preached where I felt like I was out of body to where I was standing over here and I was saying, man, God is moving, you know. Uh, but back earlier in the year, um, I said I wanted to teach some and I wanted to help people uh, I've addressed down through the years some, I feel like the church as a whole has steered away from some topics. And I have addressed abortion. And I will stand here and say, if you're in favor of abortion, you will stand before God Almighty and answer the blood that's on your hands. Okay, uh, the church steers away from this, these issues. They steer away as a whole uh, from the gender and uh, the same-sex marriage. I've addressed all that. Today, we've got to have balance. And that is my favorite word in everything, is balance. So today, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. And I'm going to address... Uh, two or three issues in this message and, and there's going to be some laughter and uh, I'm sure, at least I hope there is, or I fell flat on my jokes. Um, 
But there's a message here, uh, more than one message that I believe will help uh, the majority of people in this room. Now, one of the message, the, the areas that I'm going to address is sex. And some, uh, every guy in the house just stood straight up, just like, you know, I got, hey, yeah. Last Sunday you was like this, you know. But, um, and some may leave here today and say, how dare he? Well, how come it's okay for them to talk about it in your schoolhouse with your kids? And how come every, you know, that iPad that you uh, conveniently give your child to be a babysitter, it's okay there. But the church steers away from some subjects and uh, I've just never been in that group of people. But the first part that I want to talk about is spiritual incompatibility. I want us to look at Acts chapter 16, verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now listen to this. And thy house. Father, I thank you for your word and I pray God that you open up our hearts and open up our ears, Lord. Guard my mouth. Lord, you know there's times I'm ornery. Cover me. God, anoint me. Just let me to say the things that need to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I said I'm ornery. I didn't say I was vulgar. Blame it on the Shingleton family. It's in our blood. So let me teach you a little bit, and I pray that I don't bore you this morning. I'll try to get back to preaching next time I'm in the pulpit. And thy house, how important is it for your household to be saved? I've noticed over the years of pastoring that there are more women in the church that are married and without their husbands being in the church with them than the other way. Now, I didn't say there's not men here that your wives are at home, but I've noticed that over the years that I've pastored, there's more women in God's house by themselves with their husbands at home. Women are finding themselves more and more necessary to become the spiritual leaders in your household. Men that are in this room and are watching by live stream, you need to understand that was not, that is not God's design. God's design is that you be the spiritual leader in your household. So ladies, what do you do when you have an experience with God before your man has an experience with God? So in Judges chapter 13, we read about a case of not only marital, but parental and spiritual incompatibility. Does anybody know, I'm leaving you out of the equation. Does anybody know the name of Samson's father? Anybody? His name was Manoah. Now, this is just how my mind thinks. We was in the church van the other day when I said I'm ornery, and I asked that question if anyone knew 
what Samson's father's name was and Pastor Rita being a theologian that she is, she said Manoah. And this is how my mom thinks. I said, if he had a twin brother, what would his name be? And uh, nobody took a shot at it. And I said, if Manoah had a twin brother, his name would be Menorah. So anyway, I thought that was funny. Really, nobody laughed on the van, I think, except Pastor Rita and I. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Thank God your name's not Menorah, all right? All right, can we laugh? Is it all right to laugh in church? Amen. So Samson's father, Manoah, was passive, laid back, and low-keyed. The name Manoah actually means rest. This scripture indicates that he was also laid back concerning spiritual things. I wonder if there's any ladies in the house right now feel like you're married to a Manoah. Look straight ahead at me. Don't, don't look at him. So I want to read out of Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 4. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. Manoah, his wife is one of the nameless women in the Old Testament. My wife and I was going somewhere in the truck the other night, and I began sharing a little bit of this message, and I said, Manoah's wife was nameless, and my wife said, I know exactly how she feels. <laughs> this is pastor's wife. This is Cody's mom. This is Lexi's mom. This is Gibby's little girl. She knew exactly what I meant. Manoah's wife is one of the nameless women in the Old Testament. And when I was sharing with Pastor Rita, Pastor Rita said most of the women in the Old Testament that did mighty things were nameless. Isn't that amazing? All we're told about her is that she was barren. We're not told much about her, that she remained childless until an angel of the Lord appeared now, I want you, I think it's significant to understand here that the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah. He appeared to the nameless wife. And God informed her that she would have a child and instructed her to raise this child observing the Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow was very strict. A diet, what they could eat and what they couldn't, what they could drink, what they couldn't, hygiene, and also not to cut his hair. It is very significant that the angel appeared not to Manoah, but to his wife. So now here's the direction that I want to go this morning. How should a woman handle it when God speaks to her first? And you're walking with God and you're living in the same house with your husband and he has no desire to walk with God. That is a challenge. 
That is a spiritual incapability. Do you understand me? What do you do when your man is laid back? When your man is low-keyed about spiritual things and you are not? I'm talking about when you're the lady of God in the house and your man doesn't want to hear anything about it. It's tough to come to church on a Sunday morning and get filled up with the presence of God and you've got joy unspeakable and full of glory and you walk in the front door and there's your man laying on a couch snoring and you're all jacked up with Jesus. It's hard. It's hard. When you walk in the door and you're singing, oh, the victory in Jesus, and there sits Bubba with a beer in his hand, slice of pizza, and he's watching NFL. And in between the drink and the pizza, he's belching. Is that anybody's man that I'm talking about this morning? It's very difficult. Very difficult. Spirituality, incompatibility, is a real problem for many couples. I'm being serious. And some of you ladies that are here this morning, I've thought about this while preparing this message and I've prayed that it helps you. It takes a wise woman to know how to handle this challenge. Manoah's wife had a spiritual encounter with God before her husband did. And the angel of the Lord give her specific instructions about how to raise their son. Manoah and his wife experienced parental and spiritual incompatibility. How do you raise your kid to walk with God and to serve God when your man is not interested? When your man has no desire to come on a Sunday morning and to learn it's a difficult place to be, and that's a problem in the church. And nobody's talking about it, I don't feel like. So I've got some instructions for you, ladies. Instead of acting independently or maneuvering to get her husband to do what God had required, this no-name woman was patient. Somebody say patient. Somebody say it like you mean it, patient. This woman was patient with her husband until Manoah finally prayed a powerful prayer. Now you remember God sent an angel to talk to Manoah's wife. Now let's hear in Judges 13 verse 8, then Manoah entreated the Lord. And he said, oh my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us. God had sent an angel to his wife, but now Manoah was speaking to the Lord and he said, hey, whoever that guy was, send him back to us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. So how do you raise a child, a kid to live for God when you're the only parent seeking God? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So I believe Manoah's wife gives us a great example she wasn't ugly to her husband. She wasn't ugly. She wasn't on his back, so to speak. She wasn't Bible thumping him. We got some people that choose to be Bible thumpers with the King James 16, 11 version. Bless God Almighty. 
She didn't move out of their bedroom because they didn't share the same faith. You all know what I'm trying to say right there? Well, then act like it. Talk to me. Somebody say amen. amen. Man, we, we get salt about the bedroom. Everything gets quiet. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I had a thought right there too, but I ain't going there. She didn't move out. You hear me? She didn't badger him. Badger, badger, badger. She didn't compare him to so-and-so's husband. Well, well, Fred, you just, you just need to come down church and get filled with the Holy Ghost like Wilma's husband, Tim. Tim's up around the altar and he's got his hand over around her back. And once in a while, I've seen him kind of rub her shoulder while he's got his other hand up praising God. <laughs> Wilma said, you keep it up, honey. Oh, help me, Jesus. She didn't compare him to so-and-so's husband who's more spiritual. It's not going to work, ladies. You're going to badger him. It's not going to work. She simply communicated. Simply communicated what God had said to her. Honey, God told me how to raise my child. She simply communicated as it and then was patient waiting on God to speak to him. Ladies, God don't need you to be the front runner. The same God that spoke to you is able to speak to your husband. God don't need you to be badger number one. Here he comes. I'm gonna blast him with King James. It's not gonna work. Patience. Somebody say patience. Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and 5 in the NIV. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not easily angered. That's your man. That's the one you took a vow. That you'd stand beside of him. He don't need a badger. He needs a God-loving wife. Somebody in the house, even if, you, even if it's painful, say amen. amen. There was something about this woman that provoked her husband to spiritual jealousy. Something provoked him. If she was always moaning and complaining, why would Manoah want what she's got? If you're all the time mad, if you're all the time ridiculing him, what would make him want that kind of joy of the Lord? You're walking around the house badgering him nonstop, singing, oh, the joy of the Lord. Take out the garbage. You going to church tomorrow? It's not what he needs. Do you hear me? He craved evidently what she had. Is your man craving what you've got? Live your life so that your husband will want what you've got. Let him observe how gentle you are now. How your spirit has changed. If Jesus truly moved in, Scott, then your spirit ought to change. Someone say amen. A holy, gentle life 
will produce deep and lasting impressions. Instead of running your mouth all the time, oh, help me, God, I'm, I'm getting bold today. You hang right on, because I'm going to work on the men here in a little bit. Love them. Love them. Love, Rusty and I, we had this discussion on a different topic the other day. Love never fails. That's Bible. Somebody, I said, love never fails. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, love on them. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 12 through 16. Now, I want you to understand, this is Paul's advice. This is Paul's advice. For the lone believing spouse, he said in verse 12, but to the rest, speak I, not the Lord. It's his advice. The Lord didn't say this. If any brother have a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Now listen to verse 16. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife. Paul's chief purpose in writing this was to urge marriage couples to seek unity and not separation. Do you hear me? God wants us to be unified. So you live your life in such a way that your husband will desire I want you to go home and love on your husband. I don't want you to go home and tell your husband you've been with God. I want you to go home and your husband look at you and say, I can tell you've been with God. You can tell them all day long, but until they see it themselves. I want your husband to see the joy of the Lord on your life. Do you hear me? There's nothing that my God can't do. God spoke to you, he can speak to your husband. Do you hear me? I want him to feel as you just continue to pour respect and honor on your man. He's your man. Don't run him down. Don't talk about him to your parents, to your kids. Don't belittle him. Lift him up. Give him honor and respect. What's what God does in that situation? So now can we change gears a little bit and talk about illusion? Do we ever marry the illusion? For example, you looked at your man before you said your vows. And you envisioned him as going to church with you every Sunday morning. And when you pull in the parking lot at Jewel City, he said, honey, don't open the door. And he walks around, it had to be John Spiker. He opens the door for her every time we go somewhere. Makes me look bad, I'm getting tired of it, John. <laughs> and he walks around, you have an illusion that he's gonna open up the door and say, beautiful, let me help you out of the car. 
And you've married this illusion that you're walking to the front door and he's carrying the King James 1611 verse. And he opens the door for you and he said, baby, we're in the house of God. Let's go get filled up with the joy of the Lord. You envision him when you get home and late at night holding you by the hand, looking in your eyes and saying, baby, let's have our evening devotions. And then you've an illusion, you, 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 you envision him saying prayer, praying over you and praying over your food and illusions. You envision him of being so spiritual and so sensitive. Am I talking about your man this morning? Hmm. But after the honeymoon, you know, before church, excuse me, before you get married, he go to church with you all the time. I remember asking a young man, I think he's here this morning. He was coming here chasing the Pinti girl. And I looked at him and I said, young man, are you a God chaser or a skirt chaser? And that quick, he said a little bit of both. <laughs> I've seen a lot of skirt chasers. Do you hear me? After the honeymoon, they never want to go to church unless somebody's being hatched, matched, or dispatched. So what is hatched? They want to come when someone's getting hatched. That's a baby dedication. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. If the only time you're coming to church, men, is when your baby's being dedicated, that's not a, de a baby dedication, that's a show. That didn't go real good, did it? Then they want to show up when there's somebody getting matched. That's a wedding, right? So now we got the hatch and the match, and the other one is dispatched. When we lay you out in the casket and somebody's leaving the church, that's when your man wants to come to church. It's going to get better, I promise you. <laughs> Men, you can marry an illusion also. You imagine coming home from work to the sight of your beautiful wife waiting at the front door in her silk robe and her high heels and her hair curled and she got a red lipstick on. And then she looks at you and says, kiss me, you hunk of burning love. I could have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> Ladies, he might not be as spiritual, you need to hear me, or as romantic as you wish, but he's your man. And I wrote that because I say to my wife occasionally, I say, man, man, my hair turned gray. Yeah, but that's my gray-haired man. I say, man, I keep getting bigger. She'll say, yeah, but you're my big boy. <laughs> she does. I say, man, I'm getting old. She say, yeah, but you're my old man. Do you hear me? Ladies, you need to hear what I'm going to say. There's not very many good men left. So you better concentrate on the one that you have. 
Gentlemen, there's probably not a long line of women lined up to grace your presence. So maybe you ought to treat the one you got like a queen. She's my queen right there. She knows it and I'll tell her. I'm standing in my office this morning looking out the window because I know what time she pulls in. She got out of the car and my heart skipped a couple beats. And I could hear her coming down the hall. And when she walked through the door, I said, I could recognize that step anywhere. I said, man, you look good. That's exactly right. Oh boy, I'm headed somewhere here. My wife gets up in the morning, she gets cleaned up. Not because I tell her to. My wife wouldn't dare go out of the house. She started down the road the other day to go to my Aunt Tiny's house. I got to tell this story, man, I'm going to be, can anybody buy my lunch today? <laughs> started down the, she started down the driveway about 7.30 in the morning to go to my Aunt Tiny's. She got pajamas on. Her hair's not fixed and her makeup's not on. And Karen Henderson's contractor's coming down the road and Leanne's coming down the driveway and Leanne started slowing down because she was afraid he was going to stop and ask her a question. He started slowing down. She got slower. He got slower. He stopped. She didn't have no choice. <laughs> and it about crushed her. We're walking through Sam's last night. Here comes a woman with pajama pants. And I looked at my wife and I said, that's a part of my message tomorrow. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you wait and see. Hey, ladies, you didn't get dressed like that when you was chasing, huh? Oh, boy. Some may have them on today. And if you do, I love you. And the Bible says you got to love me. But I'm telling you, pajama pants in my day when I grew up, you wore pajamas to go to bed. And you don't always have to all go to bed with pajamas. You can have something else and change a little bit later. Is there any men in the house? Come on, man. Talk to me a little bit. I'm trying to help you out. My daughter's ready to die. <laughs> Treasure your woman. You can't mistreat her at home and expect her to shine in the public. Do you hear me? Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse nine. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun. Every day, live joyfully with your wife. I said it was going to get better, didn't I? We're going to talk in the last phase of this message. <laughs> Discerning intimacy. Some think that being a Christian means that we have to be offended anything sexual. This is not an R-rated message. Many unsaved men, I'm talking, I've dealt with it, I know. Many unsaved, I mean, I've dealt with those men that feel this way. <laughs> I just about got myself in trouble. Many unsaved men resent the church 
You need to hear me. Because it turns their wife into a holier than thou church lady. Before they were saved, marriage and everything else that went along with marriage was great. I've seen women, they just, sometimes they, they, they come to know the Lord and they just get so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Does that make any sense? And they're at church seven nights a week and everything changes in their life. They can't even have a discussion three minutes without seeing an angel. I'm just, I'm just being serious. So the woman goes to church and gets saved and, and born again and everything changes. She starts wearing a granny gown. Some hats. I don't know where, I didn't see the cigarette earlier. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know I'm talking right. Now she's saved and she's born again and she wears a granny gown to bed. Help me, Lord. Not only is she wearing a granny gown to bed, she's sleeping with a Bible on her bosom. King James. 1611. And the husband goes to make an advancement and she starts quoting scripture and that religious voice touched not God's anointed. <laughs> if you're sleeping with a Bible on your bosom, you got a problem. Here's the word of God. Can I give you the word of God? I say, can I give you the word of God? Don't clam up on me. God's word is complete. It's for every area of our life. You think there's not marriages that are in dire trouble right now because of the very thing that I'm talking about, sexual incompatibility? I'm going to prove it to you. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. You want a romance novel? Throw that trash in the garbage and pick up the Bible. Oh, God. <laughs> Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. God does not intend faithfulness in a marriage to be boring, to be lifeless, to be pleasureless, and to be dull. Pastor Wright, I can remember him 25 years ago, said it is thrilled with adventure, romance, and excitement. I believe it was. It was three things that he had. Marriage should be good. We've been married 25 years, and she still makes my motor rev. Do you hear me? Some of you look miserable. <laughs> you, you ain't been revved up for a while. I can tell you. <laughs> you're laying there in bed and he's trying to make an advancement and you're speaking in tongues. <laughs> and then he says, what in the world has the church done to my wife? 
One time I was preaching a message years ago on tithing and, and the lady was here by herself and she went home and she told her husband that I said she had to give 10% of their money to the church. He called and was going to kill me. I said, I didn't tell her no such thing. Listen, ladies, all the laughter aside, make him jealous of your spirituality, not resentful. Yes, I want you to be involved in church, but when you're leaving your family and you're hearing everything that's going on and your husband's sitting at home by himself, it's not good. Not good. Stand with me. Ladies, make him jealous of your walk with God. Men, make your wife jealous if she's not with you of your walk with God. Parents, make your children jealous if they're not here with you, walking with God. It would be real tough to go home every week to a house that I couldn't even share my faith and my excitement. If you are married, you need to hear this. I wanted to make you laugh because it was a difficult subject. Really, it wasn't for me, but I knew it would be for you. <laughs> if you are married, a major part of pleasing your Lord is in your ministry to your spouse. If you're married, a major part of your ministry is ministering to your spouse. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 7 and 5, man, it's strong. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your inconsistency. Consistency. Too many marriages have dissatisfying sexual relationships. Therefore, they end up seeking sexual satisfaction elsewhere. And that has become common in our world today that you just step out. Well, I stepped out, I, I slipped. No, you sin. Clearly, according to this scripture, the body of each belongs to the other in a married relationship, and each person has an obligation to the other. That's the word of God. And then it says to withhold is an act of fraud. That's what the Bible just said. It's an act of fraud of cheating the other what is due. Both the husband and wife must consent to abstain is what I just read. And only for a time of fasting and prayer. Somebody's saying, man, man my spouse must be fasting and praying all the time. <laughs> this is the only exception given by scripture. The Bible says couples are to cleave together. Consistency is important because when not, you give Satan the opportunity to tempt you to be unfaithful. Manoah's wife decided 
to make her marriage work, even though she and her husband were not spiritually compatible at that time. Sometimes discernment means being quiet until God gives you the opportunity. And then when God gives you the opportunity, you take that. That's just like when I go in a hospital and someone is very critical ill and I'm there to talk to them about their soul. Sometimes you gotta be quiet and listen. And there's been times that I've left and never offered salvation because the spirit of the Lord said, he told me just wait. That person on that bed can't be saved unless the spirit of God is, dry, is drawing them. And your spouse can't be saved until the spirit of God is drawing them. Does that make any sense to anybody in the house? So sometimes you gotta be quiet, ladies. Proverbs 14 and one, the wise woman builds her house, but the, pull, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Psalm 68 and six, God seeth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now, I wish I'd have thought of this, but I didn't, and I read this. The word solitary means single. It's kind of like in reference to a single diamond, a precious jewel. In other words, God hovers over a family and he finds one single solitary diamond in every family to deliver those in that family that are bound by spiritual chains. So ladies, it's difficult to go home by yourself. But never forget this, that you are the solitary diamond. That God has placed you in that family to bring them out of the spiritual chains and darkness. And he'll come out not because you've nagged at him, not because you moved out of the bedroom, because you spent your time on your knees. And what you got in your spirit while you was on your knees, the love and the compassion you was able to pour onto your man. And I'll tell you, he'll be like Manoah. He'll say, Lord, come by my way. Every head bowed and every eye closed and I'll close in saying this again. I started with Acts 16 and 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. All over this building as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And nobody looking around. The first invitation. Ladies, did this message, did it speak to your heart? Would you slip your hand up high? Slip your hand up high. All over this room. And some of you came to my mind with some of the hands that went up I never even thought about. 
You can be married and live in a house and sleep in the same bed and still be lonely. Still be lonely. Father, I just don't have a lot of words. But my heart goes out to these ladies that have raised their hands. And I pray, God, that, Lord, you would strengthen them, keep them strong, that they'd not grow weary, that they wouldn't faint in well-doing because their harvest is coming. I pray, God, that you would touch their husbands. I pray, God, that they would be able to walk together and love each other and share your good news every day and all the blessings, God, that you've given us and to be humbly thankful. But I pray for that one that may be tired and grown weary that they've been encouraged today. For our young couples that are here this morning, I pray God that the men in the house would say, I need to take a stronger role. Guys, I pray that you would just step out in a, in, in a small baby step. Maybe just take your wife by the hand by yourself, say a five word prayer, 10 words. That's a part of growing and it would mean so much to your spouse. I pray that you would look at your wives and tell them you're my queen. I pray that if there's any marriages struggling, sleeping in separate rooms or not being intimate, tempted to go elsewhere, Holy Spirit, touch their hearts. Draw them back close to each other and close to you, God. Father, we pray, I pray over our church family that there be no more separations, no more divorces. I pray, Father, that you have your way. And Lord, I pray everyone's heard my heart here today. And I thank you, Lord, for the lady that you brought into my life. I thank you for every day that you bless us. Every day that we have together. Church, you need to hear me because life is so, so short. Every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, just be honest, man or woman, say, my family needs a touch. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up like you're just, like you're waving at the Lord and saying, Lord Jesus, send that, send that man by my house again. Father, you've seen the hands, and you've seen the hands of many that didn't go up. Do a new work in our lives, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I know this was far from a salvation message. But Jesus loves you. He gave his life that you could have life. (laughs) 
If you're here this morning, I'm not going to single you out in any way, shape, or form. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ right where you're at today and you'd like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and fill you with the joy that I spoke about and, and, and walk with you and teach you and guide you into the, the, to the better way to the way that he has, the plan that he has for your life. Right where you're at, slip your hand up high and say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I, I want Jesus to, to touch me and to forgive me and, and to walk with me. Is there one that would slip their hands up? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? I'm not going to tarry long. As Pastor Kerry begins to sing, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you Take your loved one, take your family, take your spouse, take your husband. Take him by the hand and come down. Come down and pray. Would you, would you ask, would you do that? Would you, would you say, God, come by our house one more time? Amen. Uh, you know, when I was sick there, uh, uh, I had them strokes and didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, I thought about you people but not nearly as, and I thought about my children, but nearly not what I thought about leaving my wife. And so I don't preach this message today just to get a laugh. Um, your kids move out. At least you hope they do. Right? We, uh, we loaded up a trailer yesterday and took furniture to Morgantown. Lexi will be going to school. Be moving down there in a couple, three weeks. And Cody's got engaged. And I'm hoping he's moving out next summer. <laughs> and uh, then it comes down to uh, it's just her and I. And we're not going to be shell shocked because we have a relationship while they're there, amen. So cherish, I look over and Jim's got his arm around Linda. John's all snuggled up there close to Sue. Uh, cherish what you have, honestly. I look at you guys, bless my heart, bless my heart, amen. Protect what you have. Don't let the enemy come in and steal. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 